Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? Well, hey, good morning, friendship. It's good to see you. Um, man, hope, glad that you're here. Glad that you haven't run for cover from the hurricane or whatever yet. Um, if you, maybe some people are missing this morning because they went to Walmart last night and didn't make it out alive. Um, man, it's craziness. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors. We're in this series called Who's Your One? Uh, hey, if you want to follow along in our sermon notes, uh, I want to give you another number that you can text. This is just an experiment we're trying this morning. You can text the word Bible to 803-450-2701, and that'll send you a link right to the Bible app, and it'll pull up the notes for you if you're interested in following along. Another way that you can follow along, you should have received kind of a half sheet of paper there. We're going to do some drawing, as you can tell, this morning with the whiteboard, um, and so you feel free to follow along there as well, because we're going to be doing some, some notes and drawing this morning, all right? Uh, so glad that you are here. Uh, hey, let me take a second before we move on to uh, encourage you again in this Back to Church Sunday, which is two weeks from today. Now listen, we haven't put out this advertising, marketing blitz across the area uh, because we're not here to try to draw huge numbers that day. Really, we're trying to give you an opportunity, an easy opportunity to invite folks to experience friendship and to experience the Lord here. And so it's going to be an amazing opportunity. Um, you are our advertising force, all right? It's up to us to invite folks to come. It'll be an easy morning to invite someone. We're not going to do big things like this all the time, um, but when we do, it's a great opportunity to invite folks who may be unfamiliar with church. And so we're going to have uh, three food vendors, uh, four, actually four total, three food trucks. We'll have some pizza as well. Um, there will be several inflatables, um, there will be a fire truck on the premises, just all kinds of cool stuff, just a big block party after our second service. Uh, and so, man, would you be here? Would you please sign up so that we can make sure that we host uh, our people well, all right? So that's coming up in two weeks from today, all right? Okay, so we're in week number three of Who's Your One? And really, this series is about us as followers of Jesus taking seriously Jesus commissioned us to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And last week, we kind of talked about this idea of that we need to talk to Jesus about people before we ever talk to people about Jesus. In other words, the idea is the pressure is off, that God is the one who draws people, that God is the one who opens hearts and eyes to the reality of who he is. Uh, so we need to talk to Jesus about people. But this, is, this, this week, we're going to talk about the idea of how do we talk to people about Jesus? And so that's what we're talking about this morning. Because here's the dilemma, really for most of us, is that we are uncomfortable talking to people about Jesus, right? 
It's, it's not the most natural thing in the world. And I want to bring up this word that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the word evangelism, okay? The word evangelism, which really means sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. Now, one thing you need to know about evangelism is it is what the Bible calls a spiritual gift. In other words, when you put, you and I put our faith in Jesus, he gives every single one of us, his children, a spiritual gift or maybe more than one. What that is, it's, it's more than a, a physical or natural ability or talent. It's actually a supernaturally infused gift. Okay, and so some folks have the gift of evangelism. Most of us are not gifted in this area, right? This, is, this doesn't come naturally. But here's what we have to understand about evangelism. Is even though some people receive the spiritual gift of evangelism, all of us are responsible to be evangelists. Every single one of us. What I'm saying is this. Gifting doesn't dictate obedience. Okay, so this is, I, I use this example. It's like my kids saying, hey, you know what? I'm just not gifted in doing the dishes. <laughs> you know what? Sorry. <laughs> it's still a responsibility. That's like a husband with a new baby saying, I'm just not gifted to change diapers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. That's part of your responsibility. This is what evangelism is. Some people, man, have you ever known somebody that just, Man, they seem so natural. They just are able to talk about Jesus. They're able to talk about the gospel. It's because God has gifted them to do that. For many of us, most of us, it's not a gift. And so we have to work at it. But I think there's, there's four reasons why we don't, we don't do this very well. We don't share the gospel very much. So this morning, I want to talk about why we don't do it for a few minutes. And then I want to try to help you to, so we can learn how to do it better. All right? Does that sound all right? Let's do that. So let me, let me pray, and then we'll jump into this this morning. Father, this morning, we, uh, we are grateful to be able to come together every single week to gather as your people to worship you and to hear from you. And Lord, you have given every single one of us this solemn responsibility, this incredible responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with people. Lord, the, the, the life that has so changed us, we get to share that life with others and call people into this full life. And so, Lord, I pray that as we talk this morning, God, you would remove the fear, you would remove the anxiety, um, all the things that would hinder us from actually being able to talk to people about you and your goodness and your grace, which has touched every single one of us. God, would you remove the barriers so that we would feel more comfortable and confident in what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet with us this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would grow every single one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to share four reasons with you. This is on the front of your sheet if you're following along. Four reasons why I think we don't share our faith. Okay, number one is this. It's a lack of courage. It's a lack of courage. In other words, like what will people think if I talk about Jesus, if I bring up Jesus Christ? Like, what will people think of me? I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want people to reject me because we all hate rejection. So there's a lack of courage. Well, listen, there's a reality in this. There's a reality. It's this. Sharing our faith will always require boldness. It will always require boldness. It will always require us being bold. In fact, what Paul said to Timothy is this in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. He says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, right, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So when you are afraid, when you're fearful to talk about Jesus, that's not something that God has given you. That's not the spirit that God has given us. 
That's something that's naturally in us. God has given us a spirit of power. And so anytime we share our faith, listen, it will always, always require boldness every single time. And so how do we fight this? We, we grab hold of God's power. It's not, hey, would you just be more bold? Would you just be more courageous? No, God is the one who gives boldness. He is the one who gives us a spirit of power. And so I want to seek him for that. But for many of us, the reason we don't share is because of a lack of courage. Amen? That's a lot of us, a lot of times. Here's another reason. Number two is this, a lack of opportunity. A lack of opportunity. In other words, we go, who, do I, who am I going to share it with? And I think this is most applicable to, for example, stay-at-home moms or those who are homeschooled, those who are self-employed that work out of your home, um, church pastors and church workers that we're in, a, we're in a social bubble. We're not always around people who don't go to church, who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe the things that we believe. And so sometimes we go, well, I just don't have much opportunity. Here's the reality. It will always require, no matter what your environment is, it will always require intentionality. Always. I don't care if you're around not yet believers all day long every day. It's always going to require intentionality on your part and my part to share our faith. We, we talked about this passage last week, Colossians 4. Paul says this. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may what? Open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Here's what Paul is saying. God's got to open doors, and I've got to walk toward outsiders, towards those who do not yet have faith in Jesus. I've got to be intentional to share my faith and to walk towards them. It will always require intentionality. So what's that mean? That means, okay, I'm praying that God would open doors. I'm praying that, that, that I could be a witness, that I could be a light. I'm looking for open doors. I'm intentionally walking towards people with the idea that, man, they don't have Jesus and they need Jesus. And so I'm going to walk towards them with intentionality. It's always going to require intentionality. So one of the reasons we don't share our faith, lack of courage. Another one is a lack of opportunity. Here's a third thing, a lack of want to. A lack of want to. In other words, sometimes you go, why would, I, why would I do that? Why would I risk my reputation? Why would I disrupt my comfort? You know, if I bring up the J word, people are going to get uncomfortable. And they may be uncomfortable around me for a while because I talked about religious things. Listen, it will always require conviction. It will always require conviction. You know what conviction is? It's this deep-rooted belief, like in my gut, in my bones, that's based on what God says. It's, conviction is this deep-rooted belief that the good news truly is good. I hate to say this, but I think sometimes the reason that we don't share our faith is because we do not. We may mentally go, oh yeah, that's, that's good news. But in our bones, 
we don't truly believe that the good news is good. We have missed or forgotten the depths of sin that we were entangled in, that we have been rescued from. We forget the magnitude of grace and mercy that God has shown us. And when we do, man, it's easy to have a lack of want to because we forget how good the good news really is. And some of us, all of us need to be shaken up every week and reminded of the goodness of the gospel, that we have been redeemed from our sin. Listen, we, it, it, it's always going to require conviction. So how do, we, how do we fight this lack of want to? We've always got to consider or remember the Great Commission. And we talked about this last week. Jesus, in Matthew 28, his last marching orders to his followers was this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here is Jesus who says, all authority, all power has been given to me. Now I'm giving you a mission. Go, take the good news to the whole world. But hey, listen, I'm not just sending you out on your own. He says, I'm going with you. This is why we call it the Great Commission. It's a co Mission, he says, I am with you every step of the way. You have my power at your disposal. This is the call. And we really have to believe and be convicted with all that we have that this is true, that this is good news, if we're actually going to share our faith. And so for some of us, many of us, a lot of times, the reason we don't is a lack of want to. But then there's a fourth reason I think we don't share our faith. It's a lack of know-how. It's a lack of know-how. In other words, I think for a lot of us, it's not a lack of will like we want to. It's a lack of skill. Like we're kind of like, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to totally botch this up. I don't want to say something that makes them go, oh, you're just one of those religious freaks. You're a nut. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. We don't want to push people away. And so sometimes we don't know how to talk about Jesus in a way that we would feel would be winsome. So we're like, I don't really know how. And the goal this morning is that we would come out of this morning and go, oh, I feel like I'm a little bit more able to do this. Because here's, here's the reality. It will always require tools. It will always require tools. Okay, and so here, here's the idea. Um, the way that we, that we combat this, this lack of know-how, is we expand our toolkit. Okay, so back in December of last year, we were living in Springfield, Missouri, and we had this issue with flooding in our basement, okay? There was no hurricanes in Missouri, right? It was flooding because there was a water main break under our house. And so our basement flooded. The estimate was, you know, 5,000 plus to replace the flooring in our basement. And I am not a super handy guy, but I was like, you know what? We're going to save money, and I'm going to figure out how to do this on my own. Here's the deal. If you've got the want to, in this day and age, you can figure out the how to, right? That's, we are living in the age of Google and YouTube. There's been at least one person who has YouTubed a video that's telling you how to replace your flooring, right? And so here's what I did. I had to expand my toolkit. I had to go out and get tools, to, and I had to figure out how to actually tear out, replace the flooring. And it was, it was an experience, all right? It, wasn't, it was okay. It was decent. It'd be better next time. But listen, I had to expand my toolkit to even, like, start into this. I had to start practicing and doing it. 
here's what I want to do this morning. I want to help expand your toolkit. I want to help prepare you a little bit more for this idea of sharing your faith with people. Okay? So how can we get better at it? If you look at your, your, your notes this morning, it's the bottom box portion. There's four things I want to give you, and then we're going to, through, along the way, we're going to flip over, and there's a few circles on the back. We're going to do some drawing, all right? So here's, here's the first thing. Here's the first kind of helpful thing. Listen for brokenness. Listen for brokenness. Now, this assumes that you're having conversations with people. You're in a place where you're just talking. You're building relationships. Um, Here's how you could share your faith, okay? This came to me last night. This was brilliant. You could go to Walmart, okay, where you see people stocking up on bread and water this week, and you could say, hey, I see that you're, you're preparing for a storm. Are you prepared spiritually for the storms that are coming? Because Jesus said he is the bread of life, right? Or you could say, Jesus said, hey, I will give the waters of life. I am that water that if you would drink of me, you would never thirst again, and you will Okay, you're not tracking with me. I'm trying to help you here. Okay, that's not necessarily the way I would go about it, all right? Um, That's like a cold call. Here's what I'm talking about. Being in conversation, in relationship with people where you're listening for brokenness. Because, listen, if you ever think about this, when you're in conversation with people, how often do you think brokenness, our brokenness comes up in a conversation? Pretty much every conversation, right? Maybe it's, man, I'm, 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 I'm not getting along with my parents at home, or my marriage is really rough right now, or our finances are a mess, or, man, my team needs a quarterback. Okay. <laughs> I'm just echoing the brokenness that I've heard all day yesterday, all right? <laughs> brokenness, every conversation. Okay. I got gotcha. you. You're with me now. Yes. Here's the deal. Brokenness comes up all the time. Sometimes, listen, sometimes comes up relationally in your workplace, your finances. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it's depression. Like, we're going to put this list up. There's a whole list of stuff where we talk about our brokenness, stress, temptation, disappointment. Man, brokenness comes up all the time because we are broken people in a broken world. And you want to know how to find your way into a conversation. You want to know where the, 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 the door gets cracked open when you hear brokenness, which means listen to people. And don't just listen for the words that are coming out of their mouth. Listen for the heart, what's going on underneath the words. I promise you, even when you talk, think about it. We're always talking about our brokenness. So listen for brokenness. Here's, here's a second thing, a transition statement. Coming up with a transition statement. Now, so for some of you, you're going to be like, this is super planned out. Okay, this is way too rehearsed. Here's the problem. When we hear brokenness, we need to figure out a way to move from brokenness to healing. How do you transition from, man, my life is screwed up to Jesus is good? How do you do that without making this hard right turn? And so here's, here's the idea. Finding something that works for you. It may be, here, here's, here's what I would suggest. Here's a simple one. Hey, somebody shared something with me that has helped me. Would you mind if I share that with you? It, it, it's simple. You're asking even for permission. That's, that's one way to do it. Um, find something that's comfortable for you because chances are if the door is cracked open 
and you see, hey, there's an opportunity to talk about Jesus, but I have no clue how to get from here all the way to over here, man, I'm probably not going to get to here unless you have thought through, how do I transition from this person's brokenness to the need, the solution? So I, I was sharing this with some, some leaders at our last church, and there's a guy who is one of our leaders. His name is Kenny. And as much as anybody I've ever met, he has the spiritual gift of evangelism. So he's a general contractor. He's always meeting with and talking to people. And I'm telling you, it seems like every time he would meet with a person, it would end with him praying with that person to receive Jesus. And it was like, man, you are so gifted. It just comes so naturally. And I'm sharing this stuff with him. And I, as an evangelist, someone who's gifted in this, I figured he would look, listen to this and go, oh, pff, that's stupid. Don't do it. Whatever. This is too planned and programmed. You know what? He was like, Actually, you know, I do all of these things kind of naturally. And so when, he, when we talked about a transition statement, he loved all of this. He said, transition statement, you know what I say? Here's what I say. And you have to know Kenny, and he's kind of like dramatic and stuff. But here's how a conversation would go. He would hear brokenness, and then he would make this, this statement or this question. He would bring this up. He would say, do you believe in divine appointments? <laughs> and he, he's super dramatic. So it's like, do you, do you believe in divine appointments? And they're like, what? And he would talk about this idea that, Man, I don't believe that God set up this time for us to talk on, I don't believe this is an accident. I believe that you and this need, and, and basically this is his like launching pad into talking about Jesus, but that was his transition statement. Now, I'm probably not going to use that statement because it doesn't, it feels weird to me, you know, I'm not like Kenny, but you know what, a transition statement, figure out something that will work for you. Maybe it's something as simple as, hey. Somebody shared something that really helps me. Can I share it with you? Would you mind? And after today, the hope is that you can say, I I'm the friend that shared it with you, right? And that can be helpful for you that you can share with somebody else. So transition statement. That's an important deal. The third thing is this, which is what we're going to spend the next few minutes on, is gospel tool. A gospel tool. In other words, how do I actually talk about Jesus with this person? Now that I've asked him, okay, and so what I want to share with you, and there's all kinds, listen, there's all kinds of tools. There's all kinds of things out there. Back in the day, there was something called the four spiritual laws, right? There was another thing called the Romans Road, which is how somebody led me to Jesus. Um, there's another illustration, like a drawing called uh, the bridge illustration, which is a really cool one too. All of those are great, and lots of people are using those to, to, to present Jesus to people. Um, one of the things that I'm uncomfortable with with some of those things, and if they work for you, that's awesome. For me, it feels like it's too salesman-y. You know what I'm talking about? I'm walking through a presentation. Now, for just 1995, you can accept Jesus too. You know, it just it feels weird. You know, it doesn't feel natural. So, what I want to share with you is what we call the three circles. And so, you can flip over your sheet if you're following along. Um, some of you won't be able to see the whiteboard. Great, it's going to be on the screens as well, all right? I'm going to walk you through a simple tool that we call the three circles that I love because it's simple, okay? It involves drawing and circles. I'm a simple person. I like visuals. Um, and it's also, it's very reproducible. It's easy to explain to somebody and then be able to really, within a few minutes, go and explain it to somebody else. Uh, and so I love it. And here's another thing I love about the three circles. It applies to everybody, all of life. It's not just a, here's how I introduce somebody to Jesus. This is really, honestly, I believe a tool that is helpful for all of us in our relationship with God. Because I've heard, I've heard it said that the gospel isn't the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z. 
The gospel isn't the, the diving board off which we enter into the Christian life. The gospel is the whole pool. It's, it's all of life. And so this is a gospel tool to help people to understand who Jesus is and how to come to faith in him and how to continue to grow in him. Okay, so here's, here's how this would work. And you could, this is something you can draw on a napkin. You can draw it on a piece of paper. Um, even, if you don't have the opportunity to draw it out, I think for me just visualizing this helps me to know how to kind of walk somebody through what it means to have faith in Jesus and have a relationship with God. And so it starts with this first circle on the left, which I'm going to label God's design. God's design. And how I'm going to explain it, I'm going to give you some verses along the way. You can kind of jot some of these down. God's design. In other words, God is the creator. He created everything with this good design for your marriage that you're showing. He created, there was a design behind that for your life, for your working life, for your relationships. God is good and he created everything with this design. But here's the first arrow. Anytime we move out of God's design for things, it's what we call sin. It's what we call sin. Actually, let me back up. I skipped. There's a verse I would, I'm just going to give, you can use any verses that you want here, but one is I, I would use this Psalm 139. Psalm 139, really the whole, the whole psalm, but you could go specifically to Psalm 139.13 where it's, the psalm is speaking to God. It says, you knit my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You form my inward parts, which has this idea that you weren't created haphazardly or on accident. Man, there was, a, there was this delicate, intentional design behind your life that even in the womb, God had plans for you. God has a design for your life and for everyone. And so God's design is the first circle. Anytime we move out of that, it's, it's what we call sin. A verse you could use here is uh, Romans 3, 23, which says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and all of us are in this category that we constantly move outside of God's good design for us. We make decisions that lead us away from what God originally intended. And this always leads to the second circle. Can you guess what it leads to? We talked about it. Brokenness. <laughs> Brokenness. This is where this comes in. Sin or moving away from God's good design always leads to brokenness. It always leads to, to brokenness. Now, this, we talked about this earlier, what this looks like. Nobody likes to stay in brokenness, right? Everyone wants to get out of brokenness. So we always try to figure out some way to get out of this. So sometimes we try to numb it, right? Sometimes that's through alcohol. Sometimes it's through drugs. Sometimes it's through pleasure. We try to numb the pain of brokenness. Another way, sometimes we, we get into a relationship that is not healthy for us. We depend on a relationship with somebody else to try to overcome that brokenness. Sometimes we, um, sometimes we try to do it on our own. Sometimes we try to like pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and just try to fight our way out of brokenness. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we think religion and church and doing good things is going to bring us out of brokenness. Here's the reality. The harder that we try to get ourselves out of brokenness, the more brokenness we find ourselves in. 
some of us live a life stuck in brokenness because we're constantly trying to fight our own way out of it or find something that will help us deal with the brokenness. But there's only one way out of brokenness. You know what it is? It's Jesus. It's the third circle. It's the gospel. So circle number three is gospel. And the way I think of this, I think, again, in pictures, um, kind of this down arrow, and I don't know, this won't be on the screen, but a down arrow representing Jesus, okay, that God saw. Here's the good news. God saw us in our brokenness and knew that we could never make our way out of it. He knew that we could never make our way up to him, and so he came down to us in the person of Jesus. And so, I, so this, this is just the way I think of it. Down arrow, a cross, which means Jesus, who lived the perfect life that God originally intended for us to live, this life without sin in communion with God. But because of our sin, we could not have that fellowship was broken. And so he died on the cross, took our sins upon himself, that if we would trust him, and he would forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. And then there's kind of an up arrow here, which is he rose from the dead in power and victory over your sin and your brokenness over death, over hell. This is the gospel, the person and the work of Jesus that God came for you to rescue you from your brokenness. And so now what do we do from our brokenness? What, what do we do between brokenness and the gospel? There's another arrow here from brokenness to the gospel. And what we do here is we repent and believe. Repent and believe. Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter 1. He, he was preaching a very simple, very clear message. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. You know what it was? Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, we talked about this last week. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. In other words, it's turning from my sin and turning from my brokenness. And to believe is to turn toward Jesus. It's to believe, it's to trust that he is God, that he died for me, that he was the perfect sacrifice, that he now offers me rescue and redemption. And so we repent of our sin, we turn from our sin, and we turn toward Jesus. We believe in the gospel, the person and the work of Jesus. Listen, this is the only way out of brokenness. Not just to enter into a relationship with God every single day. The brokenness that we deal with. We, we don't come to a place where we put our faith in Jesus once and then go, okay, now I'm going to deal with my brokenness in my own strength. Listen, that doesn't work. The only way out of brokenness is always through repentance and faith. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is the only one who has power to pull us out of our brokenness. Amen? Repent and believe. It doesn't have to be a scary phrase, repent. It's turning from your sin, believing. It's turning to Jesus, the gospel. Let me, let me give you a couple of verses here. Uh, repent and believe, Mark one um, fifteen. really simple. Mark one fifteen. this was the message of Jesus. Any number of verses you could use there too. Um, you could use Romans 10, 9 and 10. Okay, another passage that talks about believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Um, that's another passage. Gospel. Let me, let me give you a, probably my favorite um, one-verse explanation of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I know you can't read that. That's all right. <laughs> it says this, for our sake, he, God, 
made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's a way to explain the gospel in four words. Jesus in our place. Jesus in our place. He lived the life that we were meant to live. He died the death that we deserve to die. Jesus in our place. That's good news, y'all. Amen? He took our place. That's the gospel. And any number of verses you could use. I'll just throw out a few verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Talks about the gospel being the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You could use, um, if you watch the football game, maybe you saw John 3.16, all right? That is the gospel in, in a verse. Um, another passage, Colossians 2.13 and 14, about how he pulled us out of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. So repent and believe the gospel. And then here's the last arrow, okay? Once we repent and believe, this last arrow is recover. And pursue. Recover and pursue. Here's the idea. Once we repent and believe in the gospel, we can once again recover and pursue God's design for us. We can begin to walk again in the freedom that he had intended for us. Amen? We can recover that. Listen, this, this, is, this is the pattern of our life, y'all, is is moving away from God's design into sin, into brokenness, repenting and believing in the gospel again and again and again, and then again recovering and pursuing God's design for our life. A verse that we could use here is uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10, which says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the way that God has designed us for And once we repent and believe in the gospel, we can, again, begin to walk in this new creation identity that he has given us. We can recover and pursue God's good design. See how that works? Works in all of life, all of our sin. You have brokenness in your marriage? Listen, God had a good design for your marriage. He has good intentions for your marriage. When we go our own way, when we're selfish and we're self-serving in that relationship, that's sin and that leads to a marriage that's broken because we're not living out God's roles in our marriage like he intended for us. And so how do we fix that? Do we learn how to um, communicate better? Do we learn better listening skills? Do we give and take more? No, no, we repent and believe the gospel that Jesus is the only solution to fixing and repairing and recovering our marriage. And when we repent and believe in the gospel, believing that I don't have any kind of skills or ability to fix this broken marriage, but Jesus does. And so I'm going to repent of my own efforts to fix it. And I'm going to give it to Jesus and believe that he has the power to heal and to rescue. And once we do that and we give it to Jesus, then we can begin to walk in newness of life. We can begin to recover and pursue God's design for our marriage. But it's not going to help you trying to get your way out of brokenness. It requires humility. It requires repentance. It requires believing that God can do what seems impossible. Listen, this, this three circles, it's all of life. It's every area of brokenness. I don't know if it can change your quarterback. I don't. But this is Jesus' way. Repentance 
and faith. Okay, so, so let's, let's go back to the front piece of uh, the notes here. Listen for brokenness. Transition statement. Gospel tool. Here's one of them. Again, pick a tool that works for you. All right? Pick a tool that you feel comfortable with, that you can explain, that you feel comfortable speaking through. Again, you don't even need to draw out these circles. But in your mind, I shared this with um, a colleague of mine who went that week and had two different conversations with college students. He didn't draw these out, but in his mind, he worked this student who didn't know Jesus through God's design, sin, brokenness, repentance, and faith in the gospel. You can begin to recover and pursue God's design. Mentally, just verbally, he walked through that. And I think just having this visual can even help, help you, even if you can't draw it out. Okay? So a gospel tool. The fourth and final thing here on this is invitation and response. Invitation and response. Now, again, here's where some of us get nervous or we feel like, Ugh, this is where I, 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 I'm a salesman and I'm not into sales and I don't know how to do this. I don't want to say turn or burn. Like, I, I'm a, I don't like this step. I'm not comfortable here. So here's the idea, okay? Um, the gospel always demands a response. Always. Don't be afraid to ask for a response. Here's, a, here's an easy way to do it. Hey, does this make sense to you? Like, does this all make sense to you? Where, where do you see yourself on this? Let me say this. For me, had no church background, didn't know anything about Jesus. I came to a youth camp where I heard the gospel for the first time. And I had a guy sitting next to me that said, hey, you want to do that? Uh, yes, I do. Would I have walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or sought somebody out had I not been asked I don't know. I don't. It's all in God's providence and his sovereignty. But listen, man, there's only three responses you're going to get. Okay? If you're prepared for the response, it's going to be a red light, a yellow light, or a green light. Okay? Ask. Don't say, why don't you go home and think about it? Ask. You're only going to get one of three responses. In fact, let me show you a verse, uh, Acts 17, Acts 17, 30, 32 to 34. You're going to see all three responses here, okay? So verse 32, Paul, he's at Mars Hill. He's presented the story of the gospel, and he says, says in verse 32, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Okay, you know what, what, that, is, what that is? That's a red light, right? That's a red light. No, no, no. I, you're an idiot. I don't have anything to do with that. That's a red light. That's a, that's a potential response. Sometimes we're afraid to ask because we're afraid how people are going to respond. Only one of three ways. Red light. Then it says, but others said, we will, what, hear you again about this. What do you think that is? It's a yellow light, all right? How would you respond to a yellow light? Here's an easy way. Hey, would you want to come to church with me? Hey, do you want to keep talking about this? Man, the door is still open. Okay, a red, a red light is the door's been slammed, okay? A yellow light, yeah, uh, maybe not, not right now. Okay? That's not a bad response. You've sown the seed. You've been faithful to do what God has called you to do. And then there's another light, verse 33. So Paul went out from their midst, and it says, verse 34, but some what? Some men joined him and believed. That's a green light. Some said, 
Absolutely, I am all in. Some of them believed. And listen, if somebody's going to give you a green light, you've got to ask. And I needed somebody to ask me. The worst you're going to get is no. You may get a, hey, I'll hear you again about this. Some may say, man, I'm so broken. This is a divine appointment. This is what I've been needing. And I didn't realize it. Some will give you a green light. Those are the only three responses you'll get. Red, yellow, green. And you know what you do if they give you a green? You know what you do? You, you pray with them. You say, here's how I would pray with it. Some, some of us are like, well, what do I do next? I would pray through the three circles. Okay, Here, here's a prayer. And you can lead them in this. You can give them the words. God, I realize that you created me for all of this. And I've sinned and I'm broken. And I need you. And so I believe. I believe that you are God, that you died for me. And so I'm putting my faith in you today. Amen. It's an expression of faith. They don't have to say all the right words. What's going on in their heart? Have they turned from their sin to Jesus? Let's help them, lead them in that. It's simple. Use the three circles. This is how you have gospel conversations. It's not easy, right? Man, here's a tool for you. Here's a tool for you. So let me give you a couple, a couple final thoughts, all right? Um, one of the things um, is is we're going to provide you with, if, if you will use this, okay, um, there's this little book called Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations that walks through the three circles, kind of more in depth. It's a little book, okay, so if you don't love reading, it's an easy read, um, but man, so good. It talks about this more. Um, we have a copy, for one for each family, if you would use this, okay, if you're just going to grab it and throw it aside, um, don't grab one, but if you're going to actually read it or use it with your family, um, We'd love for you to grab a copy, okay? So those are right out um, at guest services. So you can grab a copy for your family. Another option for you, if you look on the back of that sheet, there's a website or a link, friendshipwire.com slash three circles. Um, it's on the screen as well. There's an app for this, right? There's an app for everything. Amen, <laughs> right? So you can literally walk through the three circles on your phone, and you can swipe. Um, and then it even gives verses along with it. It's a really cool tool for you to use, okay? So that's another thing, another tool in your tool belt, right? Um, so here's a couple last encouragements for you when it comes to this thing of having gospel conversations. I would encourage you to do this, practice, practice, practice. I mean, I would encourage you this week to just practice drawing the circles, talking through them, thinking of verses that you would use, drawing it out, um, imagining different circumstances of brokenness even. I would say practice. Um, and sometimes we go, ah, is it going to come off too canned if I practice? There was a day when I worked in a bank where we did these, these disclosures. So someone would open an account. And if you've ever opened a bank account, you know, they give you paperwork and you're like, what is this? I don't need this stuff. Who's going to read through all this fine print? We were actually trained as, um, as you know, personal bankers. We would, we would go through this paperwork. We would literally flip the packet upside down with the customer. And there were certain parts that we would kind of highlight. And so we're doing this like, we did it so many times that we were like highlighting upside down. You know what I'm talking? And we're going, hey, there's this, this fee or this you need to know about this. We're walking through all these disclosures. 
and literally the first week of training, that's all we did. And we're like, oh, this is the worst. Have you ever done role-playing in a class or something? You're like, oh, I hate role-playing. Do I have to do this? This is the worst. I'm not necessarily telling you to do that, but I am saying if you want to get good at something, practice it. Because in doing that, at first it felt really like, you know, mechanic and robotic. But you know what happens? This is like sports or anything that you practice at. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes, right? If you want to get better at sharing your faith, practice it. Just practice it. Just walk through it on your own. How would I respond in this thing? How would I draw this? How would I explain this? Practice it. And the last thing is, is this. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Remember, God is the one who opens the doors. God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who opens eyes. So pray, pray before, pray during. I mean, don't bow your head and close your eyes and pray while you're talking. They're going to think you're weird, but pray. Say, God, would you open their eyes? God, would you help me to say the things that you would use to bring them to you? Listen, even if they give you a red light, say, hey, that's cool. Thanks for listening to me. Could I pray for you? Would that be all right? I have not yet once met somebody who doesn't want somebody praying for them. Even if they don't believe in God, they'll say, you know what? Sure. What can it hurt? Hey, can I just pray with you? Because listen, God is the one who changes things. So pray, pray, pray. Can you, would you pray with me right now? Father, we are your people and we're grateful that you you rescue, you redeem, you offer a way out of brokenness. Lord, you open eyes, you open hearts, you draw people to yourself. God, would you use us to do that? God, where we lack courage, would you give us boldness? Where we lack opportunity, would you give us intentionality to seek it out, not to just hope it comes along, but to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. God, where we lack the want to, God, this morning would you give us a deep-rooted conviction that the good news is so good and it's changed our lives and we've got to share it with others. Would you give us a conviction? And God, as we've talked about some know-how this morning, God, help us not to grow confident in our own abilities or to try to become a salesperson, but God, help us just to lay ourselves at your feet to do the work of an evangelist that you've called us to do, to be faithful, to prepare, and to pray and to seek and to walk in wisdom. God, would you use us? Lord, this morning we are praying for our ones that are broken that need your forgiveness, that need your healing, that need the freedom that you only offer through repentance and faith in the gospel. God, would you use us? Would you open the eyes and open the hearts and would you draw our ones to yourself? God, for our Back to Church Sunday coming up in a couple weeks, Lord, I pray that this is an incredible opportunity for harvest. You've said that you will give 
a harvest based on how much we sow seed. And so God, help us to sow the seed. Help us to know that whether somebody says yes or no, or maybe, God, we have been faithful to obey you by just presenting the good news. And God, everything else is in your court. It's all up to you. But God, would you use us to be people who declare good news because we truly believe it is good. And so God, would you empower us? Would you use us? Would you bring our ones to faith in Jesus? We pray in your mighty, powerful name. Amen.